Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, everyone. Welcome into another edition of the South Sports and Stuff podcast. We really like to talk to interesting people with interesting stories. Uh, Some of them will be powerful and emotional. Some of them will be uplifting. Some of them will be all rolled up into one. I think that uh, this one we're about to talk about today and the guest I have today will be one of those that's going to be rolled up into one. Uh, I first met DJ Milk, as you'll know him, uh, Amakar Hill, uh, a few years ago. We both work in the entertainment industry. Uh, He's been in radio, TV for a long time. I've been in radio, TV. Uh, We've struck up a friendship, and I'm really glad to do that. And Really glad to, to talk to him today because he has a story that he wants to share, and I think it can help a lot of other people out there as well. Uh, DJ Milk, because he's affectionately known around Western New York. Welcome to the South Sports and Stuff podcast. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much for having me, man. It is my pleasure to be with you and Western New York this morning, brother. You have a um, interesting story we're going to get to a little bit later. It's powerful. It's emotional. Um, when I first learned about it, it got me really emotional and we're going to get into that a little, little later, but I want to set this up by kind of you introducing yourself to people who might not be familiar with you. Uh, just kind of tell everybody what you do basically for a living and we'll get into some of the stuff you're going to be doing coming up here uh, this fall, but what do you do basically for a living and uh, how would people know you throughout Western New York or if they don't? Okay. So um, I'm on channel two. I do a segment called arts to entertainment with Janet Snyder from kiss 98.5. Um, we're on Saturday mornings and uh, we basically do announcements on great events and cultural things that are going on in Buffalo, New York. Um, kind of just gives you a little window into some great things that you could have fun doing on the weekend with your family or with your loved one and so forth. So it's uh, given me opportunity to really be a cheerleader for Buffalo in that way. been doing it for about three years now. And then I also am a DJ and a DJ at the local clubs and bars and uh, over the last three years have been DJing for our sports teams and the Pagulas and PSE 716 and, you know, the umbrella that they are over and uh, just had a wonderful opportunity to be able to be a cheerleader in that way and get people motivated in a good way. So I'm trying to provide the soundtrack to your life. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a cool way to put it. Now, what do you do? You DJ uh, weddings, parties. What do you do? Um, I, you know, I, I, I do parties, private parties. I do ECMC's big gala, which has been a big thing for me over the last few years. Um, Rotary club, you know, corporate events, that kind of stuff. I do a weddings, weddings on occasion, um, but they can be pretty tough and daunting in their own way. So I, I, I don't do too many weddings, but if you kind of know what my style is and you decide you need a DJ every now and then I will, I'll, I'll take one of those on. I did some St. Joe's graduations this year, which was kind of different for me, for the young people. And uh, they accepted me with, with open arms and warm hearts. And I've been able to have some good times with them as well. So, you know, I do stuff for the youth and, 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 and for adults and, you know, for families as a whole, man. Now that's your alma mater, right? St. Joe's. St. Joe's. Yeah. Graduated from St. Joe's. SJCI to anybody out there who's a St. Joe's graduate or currently going, you know. Tell me about your growing up. Uh, where'd you grow up? Grew up on the west side of Buffalo on Norwood Avenue. Um, my mom is Lorna Hill, so who a lot of people will know. She's the founder of Eugene Theater Company. Um, maybe the oldest African-American theater company in the country. Um, so I grew up in entertainment in that way. She was, uh, she's a playwright, an actress, a singer, visual artist, a manager, She's done it all. So coming up in entertainment um, was really kind of inspired by her. And uh, as a young person, I was actually in the behind the scenes kind of vibe of technical theater, lighting, sound, set, that kind of stuff. And um, I made my way to New York as a young man and and did off Broadway, did that kind of stuff for many, many years um, while I was also learning to DJ back then. But uh, but my passion at that point was really kind of a more behind the scenes kind of thing. So did, is it because of your mom and what she did that you were exposed to entertainment that you wanted to get into the industry? 
Yeah, you know what? I mean, I was always into hip hop. Um, you know, as a young person coming up, that was the genre of music that was popular. I was in a group called the Insomniacs and I DJed for them and managed them and set up our shows and definitely all of the things that I learned in regards to the business and being able to, you know, create shows and that kind of stuff was um, definitely based off of my mom. But, um, you know, not-for-profit world of theater is, um, is, is a difficult is it can, can be a difficult scenario and, and it's definitely more of a um i would say uh you know a passion that you would have that kind of keeps you into it and as a young man you know i i i was looking for success um, so honestly i found more success working behind the scenes and more jobs working behind the scenes than trying to necessarily be an actor or some of those kind of stuff so for me um theater was kind of one of the things that I almost kind of pushed away from as a young man in some regards and uh, later in, in the years came back to it as we see now. <laughs> so what was your what was your goal? Did you have like a did you want to be an actor on the big stage and in, in screens, you know, in theaters like a Tom Cruise type actor? Or did you want to be, um, you know, an entertainer on stage playing music? What was kind of your goal in life when you were going through the process? Yeah, when I was younger, it was really kind of, like I said, behind the scenes. I really enjoyed doing lighting and sound design and sets, and I enjoyed the magic of the technical aspect and what you could bring to a show. So that was really kind of my passion as a young person, definitely behind the scenes. Um, as growing up in the theater, everybody kind of acts and does something in some kind of in some kind of form in plays when you're needed um, at Ujima. So I had some experience on stage, but I really, really enjoyed the, the the, the behind the scenes stuff. And then I had opportunity to work out at Darien Lake and to do concerts. And um, I would say that at, for a long time, I thought that I would get deep into that and possibly like go on a tour or something and deal with the technical aspects. Um, but during that time period of being in New York, I also got introduced to Final Cut and Adobe Photoshop and 3D graphics. And um, I'm also a multimedia specialist by trade. Um, I work for a uh, an organization called Center for Development of Human Services currently actually doing online classes for Child Protective Services. So that is kind of like my day job is kind of a stay at home day job. I have to go into the office a little bit. Um, but um, multimedia specialists and motion graphics, video editing, all of those things also were something that um, really intrigued me. And I did that for many years um, in New York and in Buffalo. I did Paddock Chevrolet TV commercials and that kind of stuff. Um, so the technical aspects have always been a very big draw for me and really how I have made a living for many years outside of DJing and now this pers TV personality piece, you know. Give me your top two or three hip hop artists all time. Um, top three all time. Difficult, but I would have to say um, I'm a big De La Soul fan. Mm. I love their music. I love their energy. I love their live show. Um, I'm also a big like Redman and Method Man fan. Um, I, again, just from their music um, to their showmanship um, on stage. So they they are they are my top hip hop artists for not just the music but also for what they pr provide to you in a performance. You know, you met your now wife uh, when you were very young, right? Yeah, met her in high school. Where was she going met to school? Her in high school. She was going to Hutch Tech, and we met at a Canisius dance, huh. which I feel is kind of like a, a super kind of Buffalo kind of a thing, right? <laughs> you meet at a high school dance. Um, yeah, met her, fell in love with her instantly, and um, she's from Africa. She's from Eritrea originally, a refugee, um, came here as a young girl, and... Um, yeah, we, we began our relationship, uh, you know, it's very traditional family. Parents weren't too happy about her dating. And then she actually, uh, her parents, uh, her mom moved to Seattle. So she went to Seattle. And my wife went to night school, graduated early, and moved back to Buffalo so that we could be together. She did one year at UB while I finished up my senior year at St. Joe's. And then we went away to school together in North Carolina, University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Um, for a couple of years, we went there and uh, then we came back to Buffalo. Uh, we actually broke up. I moved to New York, began doing the off-Broadway work that I spoke about. Um, and then a few years later, we, I came back home to Buffalo and we got back together, man. And uh, shortly after that, we had our son, Asa. 
We're talking with Amakar Hill. I am here on the South Sports and Stuff podcast. You know him as DJ Milk. You can follow him on Twitter at DJ Milk Buffalo. Tell me about Asa. What kind of young man was he? Um, Asa was a tremendous light uh, to to me and my wife. He was uh, a dancer, um, an actor. He, he was also in plays. Um, just a fun-loving young man who was excited about every day and, um, you know, just, uh, just really just wide open to the world, intelligent beyond his years, sensitive beyond his years, a little OCD, very clean little kid, which was always interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was, he was his own know-it-all, but not really too forceful with it. He just had a very, very strong sense of self, you know? So yeah, that Asa was, uh, that was who he was from a personality standpoint. <laughs> you, uh, obviously the reason why, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit today is about the tragedy that occurred in your life with Asa. Um, I feel weird even sure. talking about him in the past tense. Do you do that? Uh, do you talk about it in the present tense, the past tense? How do you treat that? I've always found that odd and I don't want to disrespect anyone. Like, how do you treat that? Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I speak about his physical presence, I think, in the past tense, because he's physically not here with him. I speak about him emotionally, spiritually, and lovingly in the present, because he's, he's always with me, you know, always, always with me, always a part of my life, and always um, continues to influence my decision-making, and, um, and it continues to help me find my center, you know. Yeah, I understand. Um, you know, this is a obviously a day that for you that will you'll never forget um anybody that's in your family will never forget uh you i think that you know years later here you talking about it i really appreciate it but i do want to go back to that day if you don't mind and uh kind of tell us you know how the day started for you uh the day that you lost asa and tell us what happened yeah so i was working at a place called e-media studios actually doing tv commercials and that kind of stuff and it was actually a day of a preseason game for the bills which is a you know kind of an interesting connection there's a preseason yeah preseason pretty sure and um and this was 2009 was right home. 2009 yeah so i was on my way home to actually to get together with dj yes who's my dj partner right now um and we were going to go to the game, and Asa was actually supposed to go with us. But my dad, um, my Asa, being the person he was, I have a little brother named Tupelo, uh, Sonolo. I have two brothers, Tupelo and Sonolo, but Sonolo is the same age as Asa. And they had convinced my dad to take them to Chuck E. Cheese. So they were on their way to Chuck E. Cheese, and I got a phone call from a lady who let me know that my dad had been in a bad car accident, that there were two kids in the car, um, and that um, – and that they were hurt and she couldn't give me much information, but that I should go straight to children's hospital and to, um, and probably wait for the kids to arrive there. Um, so that's what I did. Um, I was got there before them. My brother came in first, I believe he was in a neck brace, but was conscious and was doing pretty good. And my son, um, showed up right after that and he was unconscious and, um, the um did they fly really did they fly him in helicopter or did they uh, ambulance no. like how did he how did they, he get there yeah they they both came in in ambulances okay. um uh, it didn't take long for them to recognize that the situation really wasn't good for asa um <clears throat> and that um they weren't really sure what was going on but there was swelling going on inside um with his brain and um, that basically what they were kind of trying to work on was trying to see if they could bring that swelling down. Um, and they, uh, you know, with that, you know, you, during that time period, you know, a lot of friends and loved ones gathered at the, um, at the hospital. And of course you begin to pray for what people would say is a miracle. And, um, and you believe that you are due for a miracle and so you, you feel as if, you know, there's, there's some hope. So we were very hopeful. But as time passed, it, it began to be very evident that, um, that he wasn't going to be able to pull through, through the accident. Um, so it was, you know, it was just, you know, it gets a little drawn out. And, um, but at the same time, um, you, we were able to have some real moments with the community and our loved ones and him. 
and to be able to say our goodbyes. And um, at the time period, I was doing TV commercials for units. Um, my wife was involved with units. And um, one of the things that we realized was that we were able to, uh, because of the nature of his injury, um, he was a wonderful candidate for organ donation. Um, so we decided to do organ donation. And um, I believe that that was also something that really helped us in our healing process. And, um, you know, from what I understand, he affected, I guess, like seven to nine lives with the organ donation that, uh, that we were able to do, uh, that he was able to do for, for our community. Some people may, um, you know, remember the accident or they're trying to think of it. Can you explain where it happened and what exactly happened? So it happened right near downtown, um, pretty much like right after you pass the Buffalo News building on the highway going out towards, you know, Orchard Park. Um, That'd be the 190. Several, 190, okay, yeah. So I there were several, several, several cars in the accident. Um, nobody had injuries at the extent of my father. My father had some broken ribs. My son, as you know, passed. My brother, neck injury, but he's bounced back and is a beautiful young man right now. Um, I think the biggest thing that I can say about the accident, though, is not the pileup or anything. The car caught on fire, and they had to put the car out several times in order for them to get my family out. And there was people who really put their life on the line, and there's some, you know, uh, Iron Mike is what they call them. There's a doctor there who was from ECMC. Um, but m- m- lots of people put their life on the line in order to get my family out of that car. Um, and it also, it was another reason why Sal- uh, Asa was so preserved in that way. Um, and why my dad and my brother w- lived through the accident. And, um, it just had a profound effect on me, the amount of love that came out of those individuals to, to, to save my family, people who didn't know my family, know me at all, who just really went all out in order for there to be a chance for all three of them in that car. And I will never, ever forget it. I am eternally grateful. And even though my son did not make it, they saved two other lives and saved other lives in the manner of us being able to do organ donation and made changes and and helped other people in their lives as a result of their incredible, incredible dedication and love for their community. And um, that, that, that rides with me every day. I am eternally grateful to my community here in Buffalo for how they have loved me and helped take care of my family. And that, that is the biggest thing that I can take away from and say happened at that moment. It was, um, it was a, a moment of higher calling for lots of individuals. Asa Binion Hill was uh, seven years old when this happened, right? Correct. And your younger brother at the time was how old in the accident? He was seven as well. Wow. Okay. Okay. And how, how has that impacted his life going forward? He was a part of this, you know, it happened right next to him. Yeah. So I have to say he handled it extremely well. Um, There was a moment why, when he was trying to understand why it happened to Asa and not to the both of them. They were that tight. Um, so that transcending that movement of from the physical to the spiritual, there was a moment where he felt like that was supposed to happen to him too. Um, but my brother devours life, you know, so it did not take him long to, to accept what that was in that way and continue to live and be happy and enjoy the next day and the opportunity of what the sun brings when it rises, you know? Um, so from, from that standpoint, um, you know, it took him years and he still, we still are all working through it, but his passion for living, loving and having a good time, um, we are fortunate that that ball of fire in him burned hot enough that it was helpful in pulling him through that scenario. But Asa was his uh, best friend at that time period, and uh, and that still that still rides with him. That still rides with him for sure. Talking with DJ Milk Amakar Hill here on the South Sports and Stuff podcast, uh, Milk. 
you're okay. I call you milk, right? Everybody calls you milk, I think, right? Everybody calls me milk. <laughs> Out there in the world, if you see me, you don't have to put the DJ in front of it. You can just call me milk. That's what everybody calls me. That's, that's great. <laughs> I, um, I'm wondering about your relationship with your father. What was it like before the accident? What's it been like since the accident? I imagine there's got to be lots of guilt going on there from his end. Um, you know, what about, you know, you and what you think about how everything happened and, you know, did that change? Was it stressed in any way? Um, so, you know, everybody has their relationships with their parents or with, with their family members. And I would have to say there were some elements of my relationship with my father that were rocky before the accident, but I can only speak to it. I can speak to it in this way. When I went to see my father at ECMC hospital and he was laying in the bed and his ribs are broken and he can't really breathe that good. And he's, and, and he's there. I come in and he's crying and, and he's apologizing to me. He's, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I remember at that moment being frustrated and upset with the overall situation, but at the same time, having this deep need for him to be in a place to heal. You know, I, I, I felt like any of those, any of those emotions I was going to deal with could all wait until after he was able to heal and leave the hospital. Because at that moment, that was something we had control over. Um, so I let him know I love him, that I didn't want him to think about that element of what was going on and to just rest and to heal. Um, and so that was my main focus at that time. I maybe would have developed into a place where I blamed him for what happened, but that just never materialized in my life. Um, and I think once again, it, that didn't materialize because of all the love and what I was getting from everybody else. I didn't feel like it was his fault. Um, as we got more information, it didn't seem as if it was his fault. Um, and then I also was just finding myself in a place where I was trying to heal with understanding that tragedies like this do not just happen did not, it didn't just happen to me, right? This was not just an isolated experience of something that was just happening to me. This is something that happens to people all the time. People lose their kids. They lose their kids in accidents. They lose their kids to senseless violence. They lose their kids in multiple ways. So knowing that I immediately recognized that there wasn't a real good place for me to begin to try to feel sorry for myself or blame people, I felt as if this is the nature of being here on earth, living in a community and what happens on a day to day. You never know how your life is going to change or what kind of tragedy can hit your life, but you are not alone in that experience. It is, it is a human experience. And so I guess from that standpoint, it allowed me to not really, you know, blame my dad. I love him and we're still very, very close. Milk, what I'm blown away by is how you could compartmentalize everything the way you just did. Like how you, I, I need to have this happen first and then I can deal with this and then I got to do this. And that, and, and I'm thinking about the people who saved the other lives. Was that something you've always done in your life or did that kind of happen because you were maybe forced to do it in that moment? And are you still like that? Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, maybe I had elements of that where I was like that, but definitely that experience molded me in a very fast way um, from that standpoint, you know? And so part of it, I guess, had to be in it because it's just what I did by nature, but it, the way it happened and how strongly I felt about it, all of those things happened at that moment and were be the beginning of my grieving process, you know? So that definitely, that definitely was, was something that was, partially how I am now and how I departmentalize some things, I guess, in that regard are things that were born out of that moment. How was the relationship with your girlfriend at the time? Who's now your wife. So I've, obviously you're still together with her, but tell me about any stress that that caused because many times 
uh, losing a child in any manner puts a lot of stress on marriages. And many times they don't survive milk, but yours did. Yeah, that's what I hear. And that's, um, I, 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 you know, I, that kind of brings me to a loss of words. I, I'm so sorry that that happens to people and that, you know, that, that, because at that moment you do really need somebody so much. Um, but at the same time, I can, I, I guess I can't understand how that happens. My wife for years wasn't sure if she wanted to even be here anymore. You know, there was a struggle. And in that, there was these moments where you're trying to convince your partner that, well, I'm worth being here for. And it could easily, I could see it easily making people feel like, well, you know, I know we've lost our child, but we also have a love and I need you. And, you know, if you, if you feel that way, what does that mean about how you feel about your commitment to me and our future? Um, so I could see how that could play out. But at the same time, if you try to have, I tried to have patience and understanding with where she was as a mother, as the person who gave birth to this being, which is a different connection than I had with my son, um, and respectful of that, um, that, that element, that element was very, very real. And then, and once again, just from a blessing standpoint, we had the opportunity to kind of shut off the world for a few years and just be able to focus on each other. Catherine Lucas, who is my boss at E-Media Studios, gave me a wonderful, a wonderful opening to be able to grieve and do what I had to do. I didn't have to rush back to work. I could kind of decide what my schedule was. You know, I was able to shut out some of the everyday aspects of what you have to do in order to operate in life and was able to focus on my spirit and my love and my community um, in a wonderful way. And she helped make that a possibility. Just another person who really just stepped, stepped it up and went above and beyond and probably is definitely, from that standpoint, a person who helped keep my marriage strong. You got married. Tell me about that and um, the celebration of life for Asa, because uh, from what I understand, it was kind of a uh, kind of a two part thing there. You kind of joined it in together. And then also tell me about the decision to once again have a child. Yeah. So, you know, at the celebration for Asa, which the community poured out for, I don't know how many people were there, but I mean, everybody came to celebrate his life from teachers that I went to that were my teachers in grammar school, the people I had worked with, to people I had casual encounters with. So many people came out to celebrate his life and Asa always wanted us to get married. So at the celebration for his life at the, after we had done all of the ceremonial and celebration for him, me and my wife got married right there and we didn't tell anybody. And, um, I remember letting the pastor know that we wanted to do do that in his face. <laughs> like, he's like, you want to do what? They're like, yeah, we want to get married, you know. Yeah, you got people um, here. You got witnesses. Let's do it, right? <laughs> yeah, and 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 he was, and we explained that we wanted to do it because of our son, and that was one of the things he wanted us to do, and um, and so it was. Um, an amazingly uplifting moment to be able to celebrate his life and then make that kind of commitment to each other right there at that particular moment. Um, I think that's also another thing that made our bond as strong as it is. We already had a wonderfully strong bond, but it made it stronger. Um, so yeah, so that, you know, we did that and everybody was floored and we got to celebrate that union and, um, and really just, you know, try to everybody at that, at that, at, on that day at the celebration, I feel like got an opportunity to kind of just raise ourselves to our higher selves, 
which we had just been experiencing in so many ways in the hospital, at the accident, at the celebration, just this awareness of love, community, what we can do for each other, how much we are interwoven, and then being able to raise our spirits in a place of rejoicing about life. It was just an absolutely incredible moment for that level of understanding at the same time being so very raw from 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 the loss it opened us up you know yeah it's amazing it's um, inspirational and, i i i don't mean to like uh, i want to keep going forward but i do have one question that i i didn't ask yeah. that i wanted to what about counseling did you ever have to go through any of that you or your wife you know you mentioned that she was in a pretty bad place for a little while counseling over the incident counseling for your marriage was there a support group that there are support groups for people who lose children anything like that ever come into play yeah. Um, no, uh, we, there was offered to us at children's hospital and then it was offered to us through other means. Um, but you know, we had opportunities because our story, people knew our story and it was so well publicized that other people who had experienced loss and I would imagine some of the conversations that you would have in counseling because we weren't isolated that counseling came naturally from our community because people wouldn't see us and say, Oh, I love you. I heard what happened. I'm so sorry for your loss. I lost someone. This is how I dealt with it. Um, so there was a level of counseling that came from all around us. And if you're isolated and nobody knows, nobody knows to reach out to you and try to possibly have a conversation with you. So we were fortunate enough from that standpoint that people were aware of it and were open enough to be able to accept the conversation and a place to be able to listen. So I think we received a lot of counseling literally from our community um, just on a day-to-day in our, in our casual movements. DJ Milk uh, joining me here on the South Sports and Stuff podcast. The first time I ever met you, I don't re- know if you remember, uh, we were at the gym together. Uh, and you were in yeah. and, and, and the I Jewish think, Center, right? Yeah, yeah, the JCC. We go there. We both, I don't know if you still do. I do. Uh, we, we go there and we work out <laughs> and we go swimming and stuff. And I think um, you and your son, Solace, right? Uh, you were there together Correct. and um, you were drying him off out of the pool and you introduced me to him. We yeah. were just kind of shooting the breeze a little bit. I thought it was a fascinating name. Uh, solace and i'm yeah. i'm assuming that that came from the place you were at and you know overcoming what you did uh tragically with asa correct yeah yeah so solace is four years old now and uh, we were trying to figure out you know obviously choosing names and solace has kind of ace in it um wow and the word solace you know what i mean to bring peace and comfort um it just we just that's who we it's interesting, right? That's what it was meaning to us as we were thinking about it. He um, he does bring me peace and comfort, but he's a fireball, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's, like, he's like, if you think about the word, sometimes you might expect him to be maybe a little serene or kind of chill. But um, he is, um, in so many ways, what his brother his brother is, but in so many ways, so incredibly different. He's a bulldog. He's, 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 he's at you at a, at a, at a full pace all the time. Um, and it took us some time to decide to have another child, but we knew that we wanted to. Um, but you know, you know, as, as years go by and you're trying to figure out life and everything else, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to plan and you want to give your child the best opportunities you can. So you're trying to make sure you're set up and ready to go. Um, but yeah, we were, we were blessed. And, uh, yeah, September, uh, July 13th, you know, 2013, um, he was born and, uh, you know, just watching my wife go through labor and all of those kind of scenarios is, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a scary one and for me in particular. I just, I don't handle it super well from that way, but, um, yeah, he, he's here. He's fabulous. I'm so happy we made the decision to do that. And, um, you know, just watching him deal with the aspects of knowing. He already knows his brother passed. I, I'm glad you brought that up. Of, that was my next question. How do you talk with him about it? How, how, do, how, do, how do you kind of introduce that to him? It's interesting, man. You know, so we have pictures of Asa all over our house, and we always would just let him know, you know, that's Asa, your brother. Um, but we never talked to him, honestly, about the passing of, of Asa. He found out that his brother passed in a car accident from some young friends who also knew of Asa, who are older than him. And that's how he found out. And he came home one day and he was like, 
my brother died in a car accident. And we were like, yeah. And we explained that to him. He's too young to really understand. You know, for him, his first question was, where is he and can we charge him back up? Because dead dead to him was like his toys are dead or, you know, charge it up. You know what I mean? (laughs) So that concept is still something that he doesn't he doesn't grasp, but he recognizes that he doesn't see him in the physical and he even has a little bit of a rivalry going with him right now. <laughs> so he, he had a toy. He had a toy, and he's like, "I'm not. I would not share this toy with Asa. This is my toy." Um, so you know, he's. I think he's just going through it on, an, on in, a, in the most natural way. I think he can. And um, you know, as he grows older and asks more questions, we'll try to explain it to him the best we can. Um, but he has an understanding that he has a brother who's not physically here anymore and that we love very much and, uh, and that he reminds us of, you know, but it's part of our, it's part of our everyday life. Where, where uh, where is Asa? How often do you visit? what do you say? Where is Asa and how often do you visit? Where is he at? Yeah. Like, is, are, did you, is he, is he buried? Is he, you know, how did you go about that? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Do you go to the question? I'm like, where is he at? Yeah. So we had him cremated. Okay. We have his, we have him cremated and we have, we have, um, we have his remains right, right with us in our bedroom. Oh, okay. And and that's so so every day is with you. I mean, really physically too. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, you know, kind of trying to make a decision between cremation and burying. Right. So we did the organ donation and that's, we did the organ donation. It just seemed to seem to, you know, cremation would be a good way to go. One of the things that we decided, we were just like, well, we're not going to have a casket and have him there at the celebration. Because it was, you know, we just felt like it would be too much. Mm-hmm. And to at that point, after doing the organ donation, right, I feel like when you make that decision, you're really making a conscious decision that, you know what, I really accept that your physical is a shell of who you were, that it is just that, you know. And you're saying, take out some things that are still good and can be used and deliver them to somebody else who can, who can take advantage of it. Because this host is no longer serving in, in the way that it was. So for us, it was just like, okay, you do organ donation, we do cremation, we spread his ashes in many places. Whenever we travel, we take his ashes with us and put a little bit of them everywhere, right? Wow. So that, you know, the, the element of the physical and the breakdown can continue to go through a cycle that whether you're religious or not is absolutely real, right? You know, it's like your flesh returns to the earth. So we thought that from that standpoint, that cremation would be an opportunity for us to do that in multiple ways and to keep some of them with us. Um, so that, so that was how we came to that decision. So he's always, you know, his, his ashes are in the house and, and, uh, and that was kind of, that was kind of the scenario because again, what we felt like once we said goodbye to him in the hospital and he was moving through those doors, that that was the time period that we actually said goodbye to the physical. So he wasn't from that standpoint, his spirit and everything else was there and we had videos and pictures and all that kind of stuff, but his actual physical remains, um, we didn't, we did not even have at the celebration. And I have to, I apologize. I wish I could remember, remember the name of the funeral home. Oh, I believe they had a connection to St. Joe's at the time, but they donated everything. They donated cards. I mean, I mean, just like, I, I cannot talk, to it enough if you you know as people take anything away from who i am and what has happened to me i cannot speak highly enough of how buffalo new york reached out to us made themselves available to us in any way that we needed in order for us to get through that moment we are a very unique and special place we are, and I'm going to be talking to you here in one second about uh, some things you're going to be doing as part of the community as well. Um, I want to end this kind of portion of the interview by asking you, though, if there are people out there right now, uh, Milk, who you know maybe experience this kind of loss in their life, um, what's the best thing you can say to them? You know, to to try and help them, to try and help them cope, and maybe put them in a better place. Well, first and foremost, grieve in the way that you need to grieve. Do not allow anybody to tell you how to grieve. They can give you suggestions um, and you can take them in. But everybody, I believe, grieves in a different way. So grieve how you must grieve. Um, I can tell you as a point of reflection that you are not alone, but you will feel alone. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, 
you feel like you don't deserve it. Honestly, it's correct. You don't deserve it. Nobody deserves it. But it is part of the reality of of life. Um, And then the last piece, I guess, would be to give it time. You know, when they say time heals, it does heal in, in different ways. You never lose in some regards, the pain, but how you process the pain is a healing process. And, um, and, and, and that changes over time, that changes over time. And then I would say to the people that are around anybody who's going through something like that, pour love into them as much as you can. And that doesn't mean you have to hug them, kiss them, you know, talk to them, you can pour love into people without even being there. Just pour love into that person and try to meet them where they're at. Give them time to grieve and just love them. It's uh, pretty, pretty amazing. It's emotional. It's fascinating to me. Uh, and I just, I applaud you, man. You're like a hero to me. Just listening to you be able to deal with this. I can't imagine it in my own life. Obviously, I don't know if anybody really can. And then once it happens to you and to see someone like you and the strength that you've really exhibited here and as you go forward is just uh, remarkable to me so I, I i really appreciate it it's 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 powerful it really is and i hope that people can take something away and, and as we know asa has helped save other people's lives and that's really awesome too yeah man we're um, i continue to be proud of him <laughs> all right so uh Mil- very, very proud. i'm sure you are you i'm sure you are let's uh let's change the tenor a little bit and uh talk about some of the things you're going to be doing this fall i'm really excited i'm going to see you a lot this year because you're going to be involved with some things the bills have going on kind of i'll let you kind of tell everybody what your deal is and uh you know we can start off with training camp if you want you can tell everybody what you're doing in the regular season but uh, we're going to be seeing a lot of you out uh, around the buffalo bills this year yeah, man, I am. I'm super, 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 super excited about this year um, for multiple reasons. I mean, just kind of throwing you all the way back, like to a few years ago, right? I started by DJing on the 100 level for the Buffalo Bandits. That grew into DJing for the Buffalo Bandits and half the season with the Buffalo Sabers. This past year, it grew into the Bandits full season with the Sabers and DJing outside at Gate Six uh, for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, big shout out to the Pagulas and Kim Pagula, who I let know I really would like to be your go-to DJ for your events and for the sports teams. Um, I, she put, she really made that continue to happen along with all the other people within the organizations who decided that I was the guy that they had confidence in and to play music and get the people motivated. So that, you know, it's been a three year process. It's all been happening so fast. And now this year we will be inside at the 50 yard line. Wow, making that's, it amazing. Happen. that's awesome. So, um, well, how's yeah. that, how's that going to work? Yeah. What, what are you gonna, where are you going to be and when? So it looks like, it looks like I'll be, um, at the 50 yard line, they have those rows that are blocked off, I guess, on the home side for the first couple of rows. They're going to take some seats out and I will be DJing there for about the first hour and a half um, before the game. And then I guess I break right around the time when they begin to run their, their videos and announcements and that kind of stuff. So I will be there inside really trying to for the warm ups and for the fans Um you know, as I say, just trying to help everybody get their spirit right, you know. Um, so I am super excited about being involved in the organization in this way, being involved in the Bills culture in this way, um, and hopefully being able to motivate everybody to come in a little bit earlier yeah. so that we can get that get that energy up before the game and um, begin to uh, recognize, not even recognize, fulfill, I guess is the word I'm looking for, fulfill the potential that I believe we have. Yeah, and um, so this, when you're DJing, the music, this is actually the, the pregame music, the warm-up music, the stuff that's actually inside the stadium blasting over the big speakers, right? Correct, correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get to DJ at the largest venue in <laughs> Buffalo, New York. That's awesome, man. How about that? You know what I, I do? You know what I do sometimes, Milk? So every year, um, there's at least multiple times each season, and it always happens the first week for sure, opening day. Um, I'm on the sidelines. I cover the team, obviously, on the sidelines. And I'm not kidding you. You know how people always say, man, you got to live in the moment? But mo- a lot of people just don't take stock in that. They don't like do that necessarily, and they wish they did. I literally take a minute to stop, and I look around, and I say, 
I'm in the NFL. I'm in right. the NFL. Think about that. That's crazy, right? I mean, it hasn't even really hit me yet. I'm not going to lie. It's going <laughs> it to It's crazy. Totally, it, it hasn't even really totally hit. I can't believe, you know, and I say it hasn't hit me because I'm like, I, I actually can't even believe it. Right. You know, and, the you know, the Bandits and the Sabres are super cool. And, and last year was cool, too, being at Gay 6. But you're still kind of outside the place where all the energy comes together. You know, it's like people are in, people are in transit, right? They kind of pass by you. They have a little moment. They might dance a little bit with me. And then they're going into their seat to have this collective energy and this collective vibe. And so, you know, that has been awesome. And I love that as well. I love the prepping and getting people ready, but now being there in where the energy is all kind of coming together as a, at a culmination, I think um, I have I'm, I'm super excited about it, and I'm sure it has not even it has not even hit me yet. But I promise you, I will show up, ladies and gentlemen, Buffalo. I will show up. It hasn't hit me, but I am ready. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. And then training camp, you're gonna be part of that, right, out at Fisher? Yeah, so I got to DJ at the mini camp for one of the practices mm-hmm. and got to meet the coach. Sean McDermott and um, really, really cool man. I love his energy. I like his community vibe. I like how he is trying to make sure that the players are making connections with the fans. Um, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really digging what his, his attitude um, towards the team and towards Buffalo. Um, so I got to meet him and uh, he was willing to allow us to come DJ at minicamp, was excited about it. Um, that happened because we really weren't supposed to start till training camp. And uh, so that gave me a little bit of an introduction to what his vibe is and uh, really looking forward to trying to be part of the team. I mean, he said we're part of the team. He said I'm part of the team, man. That's awesome. That's huge. I'm a DJ. He's like, yo, you're part of the team. Yeah, well, we're gonna have to we have to have a helmet that fits over your dreads. That's all, you know. We, we, as long as we can. Have that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, you're gonna be out at Fisher every day, though, right? I mean, helping out and uh, DJing some stuff. Yeah. People going in and out. Yeah, so I'll be I'll be outside for some of the practices, the opening practice, which is next week Thursday, right? It's, yeah, um, uh, just, just so people know I'll, when this airs, so it'll be the first practice is uh, July 27th. That's when that'll be. Yeah, so I'll be outside, and then we'll be inside DJ for the team during the practice, and then we'll be back outside afterwards. And then we will be there before and after for all of the practice. I'm not sure how many practices we'll actually DJ during the practice, but we will be there before and after, starting at 7.45 in the morning. I am beginning my DJ training camp. <laughs> this, be awesome. this is a different a different scenario from a time frame standpoint. So I will be there bright and early with my spirit, right? Ready to motivate our fans as well as the team for us to have every opportunity to have a spectacular season. And uh, real quick, you're also going to be uh, doing some things at some road games. You're going to travel and you're going to set up a little bit of a party, if you will, for whether you're a Buffalonian or not, you're going to be making a party for people. Yeah, so, you know, I recognize that we have Buffalo fans all over the country, and I want to connect with those fans as well, as well as provide a place for our Buffalo Bills fans to be able to get a little piece of home and at the same time come together. So I am planning away parties at just about every game. I have one planned for North Carolina. Um, I have one planned for the Chargers game. I there are multiple parties already planned for the Atlanta game. So I think I'm just going to do some DJ appearances rather than doing my own party there. But definitely on my Facebook, Twitter, so forth, DJ Milk Buffalo, you will be able to find information on what I am doing at the away game. We did um, we did two last year. I did one in L.A. last year. And then I also went to Russell Salvatore's party in Fort Lauderdale and, and, and had a great time at his party. He's been incredible to me. I DJ his birthday parties and that kind of stuff. And um, I, so I, I think we're going to be doing the one in Fort Lauderdale as well. Um, that's falling on New Year's, like right before New Year's Eve. I know there may be some logistics that they may be figuring out. I haven't heard the details, but I'm hoping that that's still going down and that I will be there. Yeah, as of right now, it doesn't look like it, but I think some people wanted to make it happen. So, you know, I know that he's uh, obviously not happy about it, but unfortunately that's the way the, the schedule fell this year. Um, how are we going to get some fans involved? Yeah. Are fans going to pick music for you in the stadium? Are you going to have a, a playlist? Are the players going to pick the music? How's that going to work? 
So this is my goal. My goal is to interact with the fans and the players and hopefully get an open dialogue going on on social media okay. in regards to what songs you would like to hear before. Hopefully through that, you can check out my feed and you can see what songs the players are talking about they want to hear. And um, yeah, definitely this is not the DJ Milk show from that standpoint. This is this is our opportunity for us to be able to really come together and be like, yeah, this is the music I always wanted to hear, and I would try to mix it in and get everybody off in, in some regards. I, you know, I believe that the reason I have been successful in the DJ world and in the sports world is that I play music that does motivate you, but I play all kinds of music, all genres, old school R&B, hip-hop, uh, old school rock, pop, you know, music and it's motivating, I'm going to play it. So I feel like we're kind of coming into a new things, right, with some of the music that's being played as well as a DJ. But I want everybody from our fans who have been, you know, season ticket holders for over 20 years to the person who's buying their first season ticket to the person who's just coming to one or two games that I appreciate you and I recognize, hopefully in some regards, your need of music and what motivates you. So um, I try to make sure everybody's covered, man. At DJ Milk Buffalo on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere else you find them. You're going to see them a lot this year out at Bill's Games. Uh, your story is very powerful and emotional. I thank you for sharing it, and thank you for coming on the South Sports and Stuff podcast, brother. And I look forward to seeing you and working with you this year. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me. Thank you, Buffalo for showing me so much love. I promise you, I am going to work so hard for you this season. I'm expecting all of our sports teams to do incredible, but most importantly, I expect us all to be able to raise our spirit up. Let's go. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.